Hello, and welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I am Rebecca Millsoff, your host, senior editor at Billboard, musical theater fan, and here every week to talk to you about the overlap between musical theater right now and pop music and pop culture. So I'm guessing that plenty of you out there are aware of the Hamilton mixtape, but in case you haven't heard it yet, it's this album of songs that uh, was inspired by Hamilton. Uh, All the songs on it are not straight recreations of songs from the show. Uh, Some are covers that are done in a slightly different style or with slightly different production. Some of them are total reimaginings of the songs, uh, maybe based on a theme or an idea in the original. So I think it was this really inspired idea, not just because there were so many obvious hip hop and pop references in the Hamilton score, but also because, number one, it invited artists from outside the theater world to come into it to show it's not a scary place. Uh, And in a way, it kind of said, look, these songs aren't sacred. They are continually relevant. They're worth re-listening to. They're worth reinterpreting. So that's also kind of the approach uh, that one of Broadway's biggest recent stars, Billy Porter, takes on a new album that is just out. If you've seen Billy on stage, and if you haven't, I would say go to YouTube now, please. Uh, He's really nothing less than a force of nature as a performer. He's best known these days for having originated the role of Lola in Kinky Boots, for which he won a Tony Award, very deservingly. And more recently, uh, last year, he was in the musical Shuffle Along. And I would say he loosely kind of takes a Hamilton mixtapian approach to classic Richard Rogers songs on his new album, Billy Porter Presents the Soul of Richard Rogers. It was just released by Sony Masterworks Broadway, and it already debuted at number two on the iTunes R&B chart and overall in the iTunes Top 40. Yay! Uh, The featured artists are basically like a who's who of current Broadway stars we all care about very much, from Hamilton's Chris Jackson, Renee Elise Goldsberry, and Leslie Odom Jr., to The Color Purple's Cynthia Erivo, to uh, Porter's own co-stars in Shuffle Along, Joshua Henry and Brandon Victor Dixon, two of my faves. They are both, by the way, playing Aaron Burr in Hamilton now in different productions. Uh, And in addition, there are plenty of appearances from artists in the more pop-leaning R&B world from uh, singers who I think are kind of kindred spirits to Billy, like India Ari and Lettucey, um, Todrick Hall, uh, who took over uh, Billy's role in Kinky Boots recently. And of course, what would a party be without Pentatonix? Pentatonix is there as well. So Rogers um, is, of course, probably best known as one half of the musical writing team, Rodgers and Hammerstein, and there are some songs on this album from their musicals written together, like South Pacific, Carousel, and The King and I, but there are also these classic songs that I think anyone would know, regardless of your musical theater fandom, like My Funny Valentine and My Romance that he wrote, and they all get reinterpreted through this sort of neo-soul meets jazz meets gospel meets sometimes hip-hop and rap. Uh, lens that I think really makes you hear the lyrics in a different way for sure and made me realize just how timely so many of the subjects were that Rogers uh, with and without Hammerstein dealt with. Billy of course also sings on the album and it's a fantastic showcase for how chameleonic I think his voice is, how emotionally direct it is. I mean when he sings songs you just can't help but pay attention. 
Um, but he really acts as more of a curator here, kind of overseeing the tone and the structure and the sound of the project. So I was super psyched to speak to him recently uh, about how he conceived the album, some of the guest stars he brought on, and just why we need to hear these songs in a new light right now. Thank you and welcome, Billy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so this this album, there's a lot going on. It's really interesting. Um, and I felt sort of like I was descending into Billy's urban hang suite, sort of. <laughs> oh, I was like, so I, I, I want to know why Maxwell is not involved. First <laughs> well, of all. I don't know Maxwell, so I couldn't call him up. <laughs> well, if Maxwell is listening, I should like call you up. I feel like you have very similar sensibilities. Um, but tell me, so the idea of taking on an all Rogers album to me is pretty ambitious. And, you know, it, this is anything but a canonical classic approach to his song. So how did the idea first come to you? And was it always in this form or did it sort of evolve into the way the album is now? Well, it evolved. Um, you know, my sort of patron of the arts, Susie Dietz and Lenny Beer, the people who uh, have sort of been supporting me creatively and spiritually for the last few years. Um, Susie ran a theater company in Los Angeles called Reprise, and they were doing a Richard Rogers season. And one of the things that she wanted to do was a Richard Rogers concert. And we had done a Stephen Sondheim show prior to this that was mm -hmm. sort of the same kind of deconstruction of the material mm -hmm. and sort of moving it forward sonically in, you know, uh, a more contemporary way. Um, and so she suggested that we do the same treatment with Richard Rogers and do a concert. Mm -hmm. And so we did. And the focus of that concert was more about going, was more historical, you know, going from like jazz interpretations all the way up through, you know, gospel, R&B, hip hop mm -hmm. versions of it. Mm -hmm. When Lenny, her husband, um, got a deal on Sony and came to me and this idea was swirling around, I went back to the original source material, the original show, and what spoke to me was the la the latter half of the show mm -hmm. and how those arrangements felt like something we had never heard before. Mm -hmm. We're the ones prior to, you know, the R&B and the soul and the gospel versions mm -hmm. felt like we had heard them before. So I thought, well, the focus should be on the more contemporary versions mm -hmm. and that's how we sort of launched it well i was going to say that the uh, just speaking to how contemporary the album sounds to me the most classic treatment is maybe deborah cox um, yes. which is i mean sounds like a whitney houston song yes. to me yes. so i mean the fact that that is the most classic interpretation says something about how modern the whole thing sounds right and and, and even with that you know, the Whitney Houston interpretation, which you got, <laughs> the, the the base of that, that's even further along than the way we had heard it in the past, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we just wanted to, to create a new conversation mm -hmm. with this music that's so classic and so brilliant, you know. There are, there are a lot of layers there that I had not heard before, which I will get to later. But so you 
are sort of acting as curator on yes. this album, it seems, and you sing on some of the songs, but not on a lot of them, which mm-hmm. I would think maybe as a performer is a difficult decision to make. No, not at not all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so how did, how did you decide, like, you know, I know when to come in and when not to? Well, I've always been the kind of person who loves talent. And I've been surrounded by the greatest talent in the world all mm-hmm. my life. Like, really, all my life. And, you know, when I started um, owning the leader in me, mm-hmm. um, it's always been about pulling my friends in and figuring out how we collectively can make a statement together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I think is missing from the market is what it used to be like in the golden age. You know, in the golden age of musical theater, the popular music came from theater. Mm -hmm. The popular music that was played on the radio came from the theater. At a certain point that went away and theater became corny. Theater became something that was not, we we in the theater weren't allowed to cross over, Mm -hmm. no matter how fabulous we we are, (laughs) you know, and I lived it. Because, you know, I had a deal and, you know, when I had my first deal on A&M Records, I was three Broadway shows in and they wouldn't even let me talk about being on Broadway because it was it was a kiss of death. And so one of the things that I wanted to do with this album was show the world just how fierce we are over here. (laughs) So that y'all can understand it, you know, and I and, and, you know, I think. There have been benchmarks along the way. I think the greatest has been obviously Hamilton recently, Mm -hmm. which has cracked open the conversation, I think, in this new millennium in a way that it hasn't been cracked open in a long time. And I ride in the coattails of that. I I want to extend that conversation beyond Hamilton into the rest of of the, the, the industry, you know, because we're all here. We're here, and as you can see on this record, we're fierce. And you've been here, and I, and the, I mean, you make an, an excellent point, and really the purpose of this podcast in a big way is to say, like, yes, Hamilton has opened a door and has made a lot of people aware of musical theater in a way they weren't before, but musical theater was reflecting popular music long before Hamilton. Yes. And, and I've been here for 30 years, <laughs> singing just like I've been singing on this record <laughs> and beyond. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the reach that this can have, because I think also with Richard Rogers, he still transcends, you know, uh, generations. Mm -hmm. And even when you think you don't know a Richard Rogers song, you know, the kids may think they don't know a Richard Rogers song, but then you hear My Funny Valentine and it's like, oh. Yeah, I had those moments too. I was like, oh, I didn't know that (laughs) yes. You know, Doe A Deer from Sound of Music was the first song I learned in elementary school. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like everybody watches Sound of Music at Christmas time, so, you know, you're going to know Edelweiss. Yes. You know, the majority of the world is going to know Edelweiss. Mm -hmm. And I think with that, it's interesting to hear how we um, crack them open. Completely. So when you have, I was going to say that, you know, it's it's tempting to make a comparison saying this is kind of Hamilton mixtapifying Rogers, but there's no is, way to talk about there's it no in way this to talk world about it in without, the same way. Yeah. without making that comparison. But it is very different. And yeah. you're taking on something that is canonical. Is it like, are you allowed to just sort of do your thing to Rogers songs? Is there a process that has to happen? I, I don't I know. Mean, you know, my, 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 my argument is always, as artists, 
we want to leave a legacy. And isn't the point that these songs that were written in the 30s, in the 40s, in the 50s can now in 2017 be relevant? Be relevant. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, I'm certain that Richard Rogers is happy about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. certain. I don't know what the purists think and I don't care. But, you know, I'm certain, speaking from an artist's point of view, mm-hmm. We want our legacy to live on. And it isn't it amazing that, you know, this music can touch a whole different kind of person than it was ever first intended. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, that excites me. So I think that one of the things that's striking about the record is that it ha- even though different songs touch on different styles, like one sounds a little more gospel, one sounds a little more jazz inflected, there is a coherent sound to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious who your sonic inspirations are, if there are pop artists who you always go to as inspiration, because I like I felt a little bit of like a soul Quarian kind of feel to yeah, a lot of it. I, you know, I grew up in the Pentecostal church, and for the first you know, 11 or 12 years of my life, it was purely contemporary gospel Mm -hmm. in the 70s. And then I was introduced to theater. I got bit by the theater bug and I moved into doing theater, but they didn't, the worlds didn't come together very often. Mm -hmm. You know, we had Jesus Christ Superstar, we had Dreamgirls, we had The Wiz, you know, but even with that, it you know, contemporary sounds weren't, um, at the forefront and people were telling me when I would sing that I sounded like Donny Hathaway Hmm. and I didn't know who Donny Hathaway was so I went on to but you have to understand this is like I'm 16 or 17 so I go on I go in search of that Mm -hmm. and I just fell down the rabbit hole of all the soul music and all of the Mm R&B music and so then my influences started to um, expand from gospel into those those worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've been influenced by a lot of old school soul music because I think the message in the music too, um, mm-hmm. you know, music having something to say other than just how much money you're making or, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Is, it, that always spoke to me. Um, and voices, you know, singing voices. Mm-hmm. So I gravitate a lot to the voice, I also gravitate to the live energy of classic soul music. I just, I, it's always been that. It's a good energy. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a good energy. It is a good energy. And finally, someone has allowed me to do what's in my heart, uh-huh. as opposed to telling me what I should be doing, which the music industry tends to do very often. Yes. Uh, so when you were conceiving the sound of you know these different arrangements were there I'm just curious were there any like records that are sort of touchstones for you or anyone whose sound you just always tend to love that you were thinking maybe you know something along those lines would be nice or yeah I mean I, I you know I'll name some names I always feel bad about that because I always forget people <laughs> but you know if you're speaking old school it's like you know, Donny Hathaway and Aretha Franklin and Gladys Knight and mm-hmm. Al Green. And then you move forward into Music Soul Child and uh, Angie Stone and Erica Badu and, you know, that whole neo soul movement Very much, um, yeah. that has extended um, beyond 
um, the 70s, <laughs> you know, it didn't yeah. stop. And it's still here, like you said earlier, Maxwell. It's like, these are the people whose sound. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. I go back to over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Um, and I think a lot of people are going back to them now, too. There's a real moment for Yeah, for I mean, I like pop music, you know, and Whitney Houston was the poppiest I ever got. Huh. And once again, that voice. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't sing, I'm not interested. <laughs> and I have a really, really high barometer of what singing, what good singing is. <laughs> you know, and yeah. so, you know, while Whitney Houston was a bit more pop than... Um, is my way. Um, she, I mean, come on. <laughs> She's the goddess yes. of all things. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so speaking in the pop direction, there is a real presence from R&B and hip hop on the mm-hmm. album. Mm-hmm. Um, India Ari is on the album, Ladisi and this- Lettucey. Lettucey. Oh my God, I've been pronouncing her name all these years. Sorry, Lettucey. Uh, it's okay, everybody I love, does it. I love uh, and uh, and this rapper is Ayer Park, yes. who I had never heard of before. He's from the Bronx. He's brand new, yeah. Uh, representing We're for the Bronx, him. yes. <laughs> so, um, tell me first about bringing India in for Carefully Talk because that's one of my favorite tracks on the album. Let's listen to a little bit of it. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made and people. So tell me about how she came into things. Well, India Ari is one of my absolute favorites. And I was doing Shuffle Along last year. Yay, Shuffle Along. Yay, Shuffle Along. (laughs) And she came to the show. And during my blues number, there was a lone person standing up (laughs) in the middle of the song. Amazing. And I was like, who is standing up in the middle of this song? Turns out it was India Ari. So... You know, I make a beeline. We start chit-chatting. She talks about wanting to expand her her reach and, you know, wanting to write a musical. And I'm a writer and I'm a, I'm a director. And I was like, if there's anybody who can sort of bring that together wow. for her, because I understand how to translate what she does to the stage, mm-hmm. it would be me. So I was like, take my number, girl. We're going to do this together. And then, you know, we stayed in touch a little bit. And the album was not political. And this was around June. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't political, it was just an album. And then the election happened. And it got real political, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And I was supposed to have a couple of artists that kind of dropped out due to schedule. And it just popped into my head one day. And I was like, oh my God, carefully taught 
with India. And I called her and I thought, you know, I was calling her to do a solo. Mm -hmm. um, and she came into the studio and I was setting her up in the studio and I'm like, so how do you like to work? Do you, do you like to do it, you know, straight through or do you like to do a phrase by phrase? Whatever you like, you know, you're welcome. We're, we're here to accommodate you. She said, I, wait, I thought I was doing this. I thought I was singing a duet with you. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like surprise I mean I can do it I can sing a duet I would love to sing a duet with you but you know I was just I just wanted to honor these people I didn't want to impose myself on these amazing artists that I was bringing in who who you know agreed to sort of lend their their stuff to us mm -hmm. you know I wanted to respect that and I didn't want to impose myself on you know so she wanted to do a duet and that's literally how it happened in the room in the space and she started with that background vocal do you mm -hmm. have the courage to love somebody and you know that was my my fear with the song because in the context of the show there's context to understand that what they're saying is this is bad mm -hmm. and I was struggling with context. I was struggling with trying to figure out how do we create the context within the song so that people understand that we're saying this is bad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and she started with that hook and the tears streamed down my face and <laughs> I got engaged and that phrase is in my ring to, with my husband. Do you oh, have wow. the courage to love somebody? Because that's what it is now. You know, mm -hmm. it's an act of resistance. You know, it's an act of courage to love people these days, it seems. Yes. You know, so that's how it came about. And it's very profound. And, and I think it's actually, it doesn't feel like overtly trying to make a statement. And I think because it's just such a, the the spirit of the song is so strong. And just that backing vocal alone, just kind of, I mean, she's, a quietly powerful singer, I think, to begin with. And shivers. Yeah, total shivers. Uh, and then Zaire, who raps on two tracks. Yes. Tell me about discovering him. So, um, my writing partner and I, James Sampleiner, who've been working together for about 14 years now, you know, we were the ones that had the initial show in Los Angeles. And as we were putting this together, one of the things that I realized, I think one of the things of being a leader, a good leader, is understanding what you do, but more importantly, understanding what you don't do. Mm -hmm. And I knew that between the two of us, we could get our we could get the sound to a certain level, but I needed we needed the ringer. And I was walk, once again walking down the street trying to figure out this ringer. <laughs> and Michael Sandlofer popped into my head. And I've known him since the early, since the mid nineties when we were both starting out in the music industry. And, you know, he's a hip hop R and B soul producer who's worked with everybody. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't talked I hadn't spoken to him in like a decade. And I went in my phone. <laughs> I was gonna say, how many of these people do you just have on speed dial? <laughs> I, I went into my phone and 
there was a number and I just pressed it and prayed and he picked up the phone and that and it was like thank you Jesus <laughs> and you know we lost a couple of our rappers mm -hmm. because of schedules you know just you know people being superstars <laughs> and um but I really wanted to have that energy on the record I really mm -hmm. wanted to have you know a hip-hop rap energy on the record and Lofi, Michael Sandlofer, we call him Lofi for, for short, mm -hmm. um, he has a production company and this artist is signed to his production company. He said, okay. I got this guy, you know, he's really, really amazing. I would love for you to hear him. And he came and wrote that stuff and... It worked yeah. out well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when we talk about, we have to give some love to the Broadway people, which is basically like Hamilton stars past and present, <laughs> it feels like. Um, Two amazing duets, Renee Elise Goldsberry and Chris Jackson, yes. and then Brandon Victor Dixon. Who knows? He is my Broadway husband. <laughs> he, I have uh, told him that I think he's the last member of Boys to Men, first of all. <laughs> and he and Josh Henry, with yes. whom he sings, I think that they should just take it on the road. Who I, I did I shuffle like, along with. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the two of them should just be an act. I love when they do like the backstage Jodeci covers. <laughs> yeah. Like one of my favorite things ever. Anyway. I was privy to that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so tell me about making those two really magical pairings of people. <laughs> well, you know, the the Renee Goldsberry and Chris Jackson duet. First of all, Renee and I are like best friends from college. Ah. So I've known her for a very long time. Nice. And, you know, that was a that was a throwback to, you know, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. Yes. You know, Donnie Hathaway, Roberta Flack, uh, Kindred, The Family Soul. I wanted one of those sort of just quintessential love duets. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we've gotten. Sounds. Yeah, I think we've gotten away from love and move so far into just sexual animalistic desire mm -hmm. that I wanted to to go back a little bit to a, a, a simpler time, a more a more loving time, dare I say. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how that came about. Um, I was in the show with the boys, you know, I was in Shuffle Along with the yes. boys and I knew <laughs> I wanted to hear their voices together. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the influences was uh, Agony, Oh, from nice. Into the Woods. I appreciate an agony it's, it's It was sort of like the two princes vying for the princess's love by one-upping each other vocally. Yes, which is a little what they did in Shuffle Along, too. Which is, so, so I wanted to sort of have fun and make it playful and play with that. So that's how the, that duet came about. enjoy that very much <laughs> uh, <laughs> um you know you we touched a little bit about the political um in these songs and i have to say that this really made me realize in a way that maybe i had it hadn't cohered in my head before 
how much Rogers dealt with the idea of love people who are different from yes. you in his yes. work. I mean, in all, of it. in all of it, but prominently in South Pacific and in The King and I. Um, and, you know, it's incredible just how relevant that still is today and how these you hear these songs in just a very different way right now. Yeah, because, you know, I think one of the things that we forget you know, growing up way after these these pieces were written initially, you know, the first time I came in contact with the Rogers and at Rogers and Hammerstein show was in high school, where it's watered down, the mm -hmm. politics are all taken out of it, mm -hmm. and you don't even realize that that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. You know, the first time I realized what Carousel was about was when they did the revival mm -hmm. with Audrey McDonald, and yes. I was like, oh, this is about domestic abuse yes <laughs> and she stays with him you know like they were tackling really huge, huge issues it's like the woman that you fall in love with the little blonde woman you fall in love with in south pacific is a racist yes. she turns around to be a racist mm -hmm. you know they were dealing with huge things um and i just wanted to to make that clear, it's like even with Edelweiss, you know. That was my next question. It's like yeah. Edelweiss, the Von Trapp family was singing Edelweiss as they were trying to escape from the Nazis. Yes. Let's be clear, mm -hmm. you know, there was, there. let's be clear, that's what they're doing in that musical, yeah. in the context of the show. So releasing it on the day of the inauguration was on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a lot, I mean, Edelweiss in particular has, I feel like it's become a song for you. You think and, so? Yeah, I think so. I, th I, like, I feel like this is going to be like a trademark for you. Oh, good. I'm glad. Uh, <laughs> and you, you do it on the album in a very unique way. How did you, there's some spoken word in it, mm -hmm. then you kind of launch into the singing of it. So how did, I mean, how did that come together? That's the full on gospel kid and me yeah. the full-on you know contemporary gospel whether it's Kirk Franklin whether it's uh Jay Moss whether it's Kiki Sheard the Clark sisters Donald Lawrence Kurt Carr you know it's all of that mm -hmm. and that's my moment to do that and 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 you know Mary Mary you know just really but really urban contemporary gospel mm -hmm. you know that has that is the root. I, I think it's interesting because, you know, R&B and soul music borrows from gospel and then gospel borrows from R&B and then R&B borrows from gospel again. And yes. it, it just <laughs> has been that way for years and years and years. And so that's literally how that came together. And I was getting a very Kirk energy actually yeah. from you. So yeah, I'm glad I yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that. it's it's completely and fully that. <laughs> well, I think that this, I mean, to me, this is a, such a great illustration of what great musicals do, which is, you know, in the vehicle of something involving people singing and dancing, there is actually the best musicals have a much more a message. serious yeah. message that's a genuine message and not like banging you over the head with the message right. going on. Um, well, it's been great talking to you. I think we'll go out Thank listening you. to a bit of Edelweiss. Uh, it's so great to talk to you, Billy, and good Thank luck for the album. Thank you for having me. Yay. Blossom of snow, may you bloom and grow. Bloom and grow forever. Oh, 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 oh,
again, I would really encourage all of you to go check out Billy's new album. Again, it's called Billy Porter Presents the Soul of Richard Rogers. It's really fantastic. And uh, the song will remain a secret. But all I will say is that after we did the interview, Billy gave me an acapella serenade of a big song from a Stephen Sondheim musical. And I can still remember how I felt on the floor afterwards when I melted. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. If you like us, please go to iTunes and give me some nice stars, some nice reviews. Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at, at Rebecca Millsoff. Use the hashtag Billboard on Broadway if you're ever referring to us. And I hope you'll come back next week. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 